0: Episode 72, Joe, it is Super Bowl week. Uh, This time around, it's later in February. Usually it's the first Sunday in February, but because of the longer season, it's now the second week of February. We had to wait for it a little bit longer, but we are finally here. I don't know if it's the matchup that a lot of people expected. Most people could have predicted the Rams being in the Super Bowl, but the Bengals definitely a huge shocker there. How about the fact that we never had a team play Super Bowl in their home stadium, that we're getting it back-to-back years, so that's kind of crazy. There's Um, so
1: many storylines, there's so many, and we'll go over them all with the one and only Pete Haley.
0: For the fifth time, we are pleased to welcome in our good friend and NBC Sports Washington insider, for the Washington Commanders, Pete Haley. Pete. You've been our guest five times, and you've been
2: on here so long now, you've gone through a name change. It's
0: Washington football team to now the Commanders.
2: Honestly, I mean, we could check the archives. I might have been on when they were still the Redskins, too. This might be the third (laughs) name change. But, yeah, I mean, we've been through a lot together, guys. And I'm glad we can continue to keep this friendship going, even as this team just continues to change its identity. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Now, obviously, we'll get into the Super Bowl but we got to ask you, and I'm sure you've talked about it a million times, but what are your thoughts on the names? And was this one of maybe the top three that you were looking for?
2: Yeah, I think this, this became kind of the obvious choice, um, maybe in like January. So probably a month ahead of two, And like a lot of people are upset about it. I think it's okay. I think it's borderline good. Um, there are so many sports leagues on this planet. It's hard to find a name that hasn't been taken before. So like, yeah commanders it's somewhat unique I know the AAF team had it before but like eight people watch that league so who cares about <laughs> it that doesn't even really count so I think come week one we're gonna be cool with it I don't love necessarily the logos the crest was at least a creative idea but I think they kind of botched it by putting the incorrect Super Bowl years on there but I love the jerseys the name is okay with me and if they can get a quarterback to wear this jersey I think by week one most people care far more about that and we'll be all used to calling this team the commanders.
1: I don't hate the name. I don't hate the look. I don't love the white jerseys. I really like the black and I like the burgundy, the white. I don't really, not really feeling it from that, but uh, it is yeah. fitting that you bring up quarterback cause that is what you, you've been on this four times now, five, you know how we work. That's actually the next, uh, the next topic of conversation here. What are your thoughts on the Washington commander QB room? Could it be Russell Wilson? How realistic do you think it is that he or someone of that ilk with the possible QB carousel, that we have on the horizon comes to Washington.
2: Um, I'm putting Russ in the still pretty unlikely category. I think the most likely guy, I wouldn't do this, but I could see Ron doing this is Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think Ron is still a pretty old school coach and he's going to look at Jimmy G's win loss column and see a lot more uh, in the wins than the loss portion of that stat sheet. And for him, that's going to be an easy sell to this fan base. I don't know if the fan base will buy it, but Ron can put him up there in one of those nice suits. He can be really handsome in all the introductory press conference photos, and they can say, look, this guy's been in a Super Bowl and an NFC title game recently, and he can do work with a roster that's well built around him. And Ron thinks that this team is in a spot to boost up a quarterback. Now, I would prefer someone with a much higher ceiling, like a Malik Willis. And even if you have to suffer through an early growing pains where he looks terrible and has more interceptions than touchdowns as a rookie or he may have to sit out his rookie year, that's okay. Because if I've learned anything from these playoffs, it's not just that you need a good quarterback, it's that you need a superb quarterback. And uh, that's that's the easiest path to relevancy. So where Ron is in his coaching tenure, needing to get more than seven wins and fight off the fan base who wants to fire him, I think he'll go for Jimmy G. But if I were in charge, I would go for a high ceiling rookie or just completely unload for Russell Wilson.
1: I mean, I don't know necessarily what Jimmy G is going to cost because there's a perception about him versus a reality about him and what will some of the older guys in the NFL view his price at. But I think you could do both of what you're saying. You could trade for yeah. Jimmy G if it's not too expensive and still draft a Malik Willis, sit him behind him the way that they did with Trey Lance and the way that Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith, let Ron get his wins and sneak him in the playoffs with Jimmy G this year and groom the next guy.
2: No, I think that that's definitely the perfect compromise now. Uh, you know, with Kyle Shanahan being in charge of the Niners and his kind of fraught relationship with Washington, would he want to send Jimmy G here knowing that he might just be a placeholder again? Or would he want to try and set up this guy to have a better spot? I could see that maybe being an issue, but I'm sure Jimmy G will be pretty cheap. And this team has a couple of players it could offload and it should know that its draft picks don't matter nearly as much as getting uh, better talent at quarterback. So Ron kind of stuck with this. Let's uh, Let's save the future. We don't want to Acquire a quarterback and have nothing around him at this point around whatever you have is not good enough. So you need to get the quarterback fixed and hope the rest of this stuff is okay. So I could see Jimmy G and then a rookie. I think that'd be a hell of a swing for this team to pull it off.
1: At this point, uh, aside from quarterback, uh, you mentioned there are pieces lacking around, even if you do get that quarterback, what would you say is the biggest need that they should address in the draft?
2: Their O-line is decent. I like their running back room, and their tight ends are okay. I really think they need to just throw more at receiver, and I think what the Rams have done, they had Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and they signed Odell Beckham. They had a threesome of receivers. You might need to bleep out threesome, a trio of (laughs) receivers, who was just a devastating group, and they said, you know what, we need to add Odell Beckham to this this room. And I think that's an amazing way to approach it. You can never have enough guys to catch passes and make defenders miss. And I don't want Washington to think, you know, Curtis Samuel is going to be healthy. We can hope that a De'Ami Brown steps up and then Terry is going to be Terry. No, you need to just completely fill up that area of your depth chart. So whether that's signing Allen Robinson, Michael Gallup, or drafting some guy from P.J.'s favorite school, Alabama, who's going to just become the next stud, or maybe doing both. I just think they need to completely overload receivers. That way, if you have a crappy-ish quarterback, then he's got plenty to throw to. And if you get a really good quarterback, then all of a sudden we're talking about an offense that can do some really serious damage.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. You give, as you know, you give Terry some help on the outside and then the offense can hopefully do some things for Washington. Now on to the Super Bowl, Pete, Um, probably not the matchup that many people saw coming. The Rams isn't too surprising, but obviously the Bengals, a big shocker, especially if you were told someone at the start of the year, your thoughts on the game and who do you think wins?
2: Well, I know uh, the big matchup that people are pointing to is the Rams D-line against the Bengals O-line and how the O-line of Cincinnati's just been a train wreck all year. So, you know, I'm, I've been picking the Bengals, and then a couple of days ago I found out that the dreaded public loves the Bengals, and I know, you know, it's it kind of pisses me off, and everybody's like, oh, you always need to fade the public because if it was that easy, we would all be just filthy rich and not be wasting our time doing anything else. Right. I still like the Bengals, though. I just think – that offense is explosive enough. I think they're playing a little more like not to lose or they have nothing to lose. The Rams, this is this is their moment. They've traded all the draft picks. They've got Matt Stafford. Sean McVay's been knocking on the door. I think there's a little more pressure on them and they're playing at home. Joe Burrow just shows up, smokes cigars, throws at Shamar Chase 10 times, then leaves and goes to the next stadium. So I'm a fan of where the Bengals are at mentally. I think they have enough playmakers and a sneaky good defense that took care of Pat Mahomes last game they were uh, on the field. So I could see them doing the same with Stafford. Wow, okay, so you're going with the Bengals then? Going Bengals spread, Bengals money line, and uh, yeah, I can't wait for the Rams to win by 14 and, <laughs> and prove me completely wrong, but I, I think the Bengals are a really fun group.
1: Interesting. Now, is that, do you think, is that more of like you got burned by them maybe picking the Titans, and then you got burned by them maybe picking the Chiefs, and you don't want to get burned again? Or do you genuinely think matchup-wise, player-to-player, situationally, the Bengals your pick?
2: I certainly haven't been burned by them, and I also can't say that they're better situationally. Like I said, Aaron Donald should have a field day. You know, Jalen Ramsey's going to be able to probably vacuum up whether it's T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, whoever he's on. The Rams have better depth. They have a better, more star-powered defensive line. So I'm not doing this based on mostly uh, you know football-centric picks. I don't have really any. I, I don't cover the Rams or the bank. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to, not trying to sway well. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to sway. I'm just asking yeah.
1: because I like. All week with all the coverage, there's that, that that has been a popular line of thought where it's like everything's pointing me to the Rams, but look at what the Bengals just did. Can't pick against them again. So I'm just curious where your head was at as far as like what's the like the prevailing win as far as that pick.
2: Yeah, I'm basically just – I'm trying to say a lot of words. I'm basically just leaning Bengals <laughs> because they have a cool quarterback, they have a couple <laughs> decent receivers, and like they seem like they're in kind of a groove. So if you want to boil it down to that, then there's absolutely no problem with it.
1: And that sometimes is all you need. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah. um, And then on the other side for the quarterback position, Pete, Matt Stafford, do you think if he wins this game, he's a Hall of Famer, signed, sealed, delivered?
2: Probably because I think he'll play four or five more years, post some pretty sick numbers. And at the end, his resume is going to look really, really juicy. The quarterbacks in these day and age are going to just finish with asinine passing yards, passing touchdowns. And, you know, I think we'll look favorably upon what he did in Detroit, even though he didn't have a playoff win taking the lines to the playoffs at all is a pretty remarkable accomplishment. And yeah, I think getting that ring on his finger will, will push him over the top because if we're talking about guys like Philip Rivers, maybe being a hall of famer, he never won a super bowl. I think Matt Stafford will surpass him. And then I think that pushes him into Canton. He can go hang out in lovely Canton, Ohio with a nice bust.
1: Yeah. PJ and I get into this a little bit more later. Um, Like it's just, we have to maybe try to figure out what the criteria is for quarterbacks going forward, because in this day and age, especially with the extra game. Now the numbers are just going to be ridiculous. I I pulled it up uh, because our friend Jenks put this question up on Twitter and and was debating it back and forth about Stafford being a hall of famer. He said, no, even with a ring. And I'm like, are you crazy? You look at the top 14 players of all time in passing yards, all 14 are in or are going to be in. And at this present moment, Stafford, if he plays five more years, he's going to finish third behind Peyton Manning. I'm sorry, between Tom Brady and Drew Brees. So if he finishes third, even without the ring, the guy's the whole thing based on our current criteria. So going forward, the question is, do we amend that in our mind? And like, I think NFL has it right. We're like baseball's too stringent. The NBA, they let anybody in. Football's like that good middle ground where they're honoring the people who we like think deserve to be honored. But still, at this point, with quarterbacks, like, you got to figure something out.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I pulled up that same thing you're looking at at the passing yards leaders. Uh, some pretty surprising names there at the bottom with Joe Flacco and Kerry Collins, 19 and 20. But yeah, Carson Palmer's 15th, Stafford's 12th, Matt Ryan's eighth. Like there, there's going to be, you know, who knows? I'm trying to think of just like a random NFL court. Like Kirk Cousins one day could be in the top 12. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be a Hall of Famer unless his career dramatically turns around. So they'll probably need to do some adjustments.
1: Absolutely. Um, and kind of sticking on that note, uh, is this game bigger for McVeigh's legacy or Stafford's legacy? Both still have plenty of years. At, I mean, at least five for Stafford and McVeigh, like 30, 30 to 40. fix it after this year. But uh, at this present moment, bigger for which guy?
2: <sighs> yeah, I think the timeline makes it Stafford, but McVeigh, like losing two Super Bowls, that can kind of become a very heavy weight around mm-hmm. your neck. And especially when you become sort of the darling, and I think at the peak of Sean McVay's darling around the NFL, he's over it and is now kind of, you know, on the back slope where people are maybe starting to question him. And those questioners will have far more ammo if he loses yet again. So I would choose Stafford, but hell, they, they'd both erupt and have one hell of a hug at midfield if they able to win on Sunday, because it's going to mean a hell of a lot for both of them.
1: Uh, are you sold on Zach Taylor yet as a head coach, or you think he's kind of riding the coattails yeah. of Joey B., uh, and just kind of the way the situation's going right now for the Bengals?
2: Yeah, dude, I, I'm. my thoughts on coaches all around sports kind of diminish every year. It's it's about who you have, and Zach Taylor was horrific, and now he's great. And sure, there are little gaps you can make up with decision-making and being a hell of an inspirational leader and developing players, but for the most part, uh, it's just who you get matched up with. And like I, Greg Popovich, an amazing, amazing coach. But now that he's got no Tim Duncan, Manu, Tony Parker, the Spurs are god-awful, and he's just got weird, wispy hair, and he's not really relevant anymore. And I think that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, Ron Rivera, I think he's an okay coach and a good guy, but if he can get Russell Wilson, then all of a sudden, all of his decisions are going to look better because his players can cover it up. So I don't really buy much into Zach Taylor, and I could see him being, like, one of the weirder like kind of like the Trent Dilfer of coaches. If he wins mm-hmm. a ring, like in, a, in five decades, you're going to be like, oh, what? Oh, it's because he had Burrow. But still, like Zach Taylor winning a ring and a bunch of other talented head coaches not, it's going to be a, kind of a, a weird thing to balance.
0: I agree. I mean, I got nothing to add. I'm with you. To me, it's almost like the, uh, the Gene Chizik in college football where he Cam Newton mm-hmm. for one year, won his ring, and yeah. two, three years exactly. later, we all forgot about him. Now, Pete, I know, like me, you're a big golf fan. Great week this week with the Waste Management Open. You're a huge Ricky Fowler fan. This is one of his favorite courses. He's a winner at Waste Management. Last time I checked, I think he was about even plus one. So he's trying to make the cut. He's been playing better. Pete, do you think Ricky wins a
2: tournament this year? This is I love that you guys had me on to just sort of do Ricky Fowler therapy. PJ always texts me, (laughs) "Hey." Let's come on, talk NFL this, and of course Ricky. And like, none That's how I gotta reel really you in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> none of your listeners care about Ricky Fowler. I don't think anybody does. I'm in. I'm always had a love hate relationship with him. I'm trending more towards hate, and I don't literally mean I hate him. He is, by all accounts, a tremendous person, a really nice human. Signs balls for kids, does all these charity events. Seems really cool. But in terms of like my fandom, like, just he's just so irrelevant now, and. Do I think he wins a tournament this year? No, I I don't. I don't know if he has what's required mentally to do it anymore. And he's gone through swing changes. He's had swing coaches. There are just some rounds where he completely loses it. Now his putter is kind of inconsistent too. I knew he was sort of doomed last year. He went to a different putter at one point. Ricky Fowler switching putters? That's like uh, Ray Allen trying to shoot left-handed or something. Like, it doesn't make sense. So, (laughs) no, I don't think Ricky Fowler wins this year. But will I continue to buy Puma gear and tweet about him when he takes a lead on Friday morning? before all the other players go out? Hell yeah, I will, because that's what we do as Ricky Fowler followers. We get excited over the little stuff. We watch him fade over the weekend, and then we wait for next weekend to come and repeat itself. Hmm. Pete, the
0: game of golf is just in such good hands. Every time I watch John Rahm, I I don't know how he loses an event. Patrick Cantlay, same thing. If Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson ever putt well, they're never gonna lose rory's gonna eventually you know get back to rory and then yeah, we've been saying that for a
1: while now so i don't know about but
0: that. rory has his moments where he's like he did win last year he's come kind of close it's just the game of golf is in great yeah. games more kyle i didn't even
2: talk about he won two majors last year so uh, yeah you brooks kept jordan spieth i mean you can go 20 deep with this group and i love that the crowds are back and that the majors mean something again um really special excited for Ryder cup president's cup every year golf is so much fun in fact I was at the ride, the driving range for the first time about an hour ago, and I said, you know what, i got to hit a couple more balls and then get back to this pod interview. But it is just so nice to go out there. Got my clubs regripped, gripped hit a couple seven irons, took a video of my swing, tried to analyze it, have no idea what's wrong, put my <laughs> phone away. But, yeah, it, like, golf is so fun, and I love that it's never-ending, and it has become kind of my second favorite behind NFL action.
1: Well, Pete, you're a lot better when it comes to the Swift 7 and trivia than you are at golf, <laughs> apparently. So let's get into that. <laughs> Um, I will admit there's one Swift Seven question I have that probably should have been a regular question, but I I don't know I just snuck it in here. We make the rules okay. as we go. So uh, sure. number one, which Super Bowl from your lifetime do you think is the worst that you've watched? Not the best, the worst. I've I feel like our age group has been spoiled
2: with Super Bowls, especially kind of like the 2010s, maybe a little before and a little after with Santonio Holmes and Eagle really? uh, Eagles, Patriots, Patriots, mm. Seahawks, like just constant Patriots, Falcons, but. The one that sucked, I think it's pretty easy. It's the, uh, you know, last year's with the Bucs, Chiefs was kind of boring, but at least Brady won. I think it's the Rams-Patriots that had no touchdowns in the first half. And I, like, I honestly found myself bored and counting down. And you never want to be feeling that in the Super Bowl because you know that there's no football for the next eight months. But – that game sucked, and uh, I haven't thought about it for a single second since until right
1: now. That's the one that I went with. P.J. brought up another good one. That was the Broncos-Seahawks one because that was a blowout. But oh, at least, yeah. Like, at least the Seahawks scored a ton in that game, so there was something happening. The only two plays I remember from that Patriots-Rams, it was that seam to Gronk that he like got tackled to two that he made like a ridiculous catch on, and then mm-hmm. it was like the Stefan Gilmore interception to seal the game. The only yeah. two plays I remember. I couldn't tell you who scored couldn't tell you what the final score was. I know that it was a little to a little, and that's about it.
2: So. Yeah, I, the, the Seahawks-Broncos one is a really good one, um, but I would rather have a blowout because at least, you know, like you said, something's happening. It's, it's memorable. You want to see how bad it gets. Patriots-Rams was just a blah fest.
1: Absolutely. Uh, number two, which team from this game, Bengals or Rams, has the best chance to make it back within the next five years?
2: To me, it's the Bengals uh, quarterback on a cheap contract, young skilled players. Um, I know the AFC is way harder than the NFC in terms of quarterbacks right now, but I feel like that stuff changes every year. We say that about the conferences in the NBA, like this stuff with the way players move around nowadays can, can flip on a, a dime, turn on a dime. So I'll go with the Bengals just because the, the Rams, it's a, it's a, tr- a really amazing experiment they've done building their roster, but I don't know how much longer they
1: can kind of hold it all together with uh, without like more young players in the pipeline. What is the one meaningful thing in your life that you would trade away for your favorite team to win the Super Bowl? Wow. Um,
2: for the commanders to win the Super Bowl, for Antonio Gibson to win MVP, for our blogs to go crazy, for our podcasts to become even more relevant than it is. I would probably trade away like, drinking for six months, McDonald's for a year. I wouldn't do anything crazy like wow. trade or golf or anything. But like right. yeah, I would like forfeit... not bet
0: for a month. Right. not do right. that.
2: <laughs> I, I would I would forfeit though some pretty serious things because you know they aren't technically my team anymore. I try not to root for them, but every time they win, there's still a little piece of me. Of course. Like 14 year old me like man, I would be so thrilled with this victory over the Buccaneers after the bye week. So I would I would give up major, major equity for that to happen.
1: All right. Number four. And this is the one that I think probably could have been a regular question. you be the judge. Um, How many coaches from the tree of Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay will make the Super Bowl before the commanders do? So right now, that's Zach Taylor, who's there. And that tree includes Matt LaFleur, Rob Sala, Brandon Staley, Mike McDaniel. And come Monday morning, Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings. How many of those will make it before the commanders do? probably all of them well, <laughs> most of them <laughs> like maybe salah is the hardest one to picture just
2: because he's with the jets but dude the commanders until they they find the guy quarterback i someone tweeted me recently and it's gonna stick with me for a long time if football was called what it should be called it'd be called quarterback ball if you don't have the quarterback it's not you're not relevant so commanders i'm, I'm pretty ice cold on their ability to Play into february they don't play into february they just have lawsuits and release a bunch of statements about their owner in february Ouch. <laughs> uh <laughs> number
0: five pete what would be your dream concert to see at the super bowl
2: oh i've only been to three concerts in my life i've seen kesha i've seen taylor swift and i've seen fetty wap so that is just a tr- really weird eclectic group um I'm, I'm a simple kind of mid 20s, kind of late 20s, honestly, but I have love the chain smokers. I love big uh, EDM concerts. So them a marshmallow where giant screens are flashing and they're shooting smoke into the air and there's confetti falling and everybody's in like neon outfits. I just I love that. But that's kind of my music. I really, really enjoy that stuff. Most concerts look like a effing blast. Yeah.
0: All right. Solid. Uh, number six, which player would you love to see win a Super Bowl? probably not commander related because we know you'll probably yeah. go there so outside of them which which player okay
2: would you yeah my, my commander choice would be Terry lauren because he deserves all good things sure. to come his way um i kind of honestly would like to see kirk do it i just because it would wow it would, it would so that set would put off... kevin
1: o'connell on that list That we just right. Said. <laughs> right it would
2: set off so many commander fans. it would cause like Grant Paulson to spontaneously combust. Chris Russell would explode too. Just so many people would freak out in this area and have to rewrite their takes about him. Kirk's fine to me. He's kind of a, a nothing. And I don't think he's necessarily that good. But seeing him on the podium holding a Super Bowl trophy, I would print that out and hang it on my wall. I think that'd be amazing.
0: Nice. All right, Pete. Seven and final question. What is your favorite prop bet for the Super Bowl? Because I
2: know you've looked through them. So is yeah. there
0: one that, that sticks out that you really like?
2: Yeah, I'll do two real quick. Yep. Um, I like the first play to be a run. It's like minus 150. Okay. I, know the, I think the Rams and Bengals have both thrown on two of their first three plays in the playoffs. But if you think about it, the Bengals aren't going to want to expose Joe Burrow on the first drop back. They're going to give it to Mixon for three yards. And the Rams, I think, are going to want to establish the run, become the more physical team, and hand it off to Cam Akers. Let both these quarterbacks chill out, get the nerves under control. I like the first play to be a run. And another prop is Jamar Chase over rushing yards. Uh, I got a Love two and a half. Too. I got a two and a half. I think it's around four and a half now, but just because, you know, either he's being double teamed or he's being covered by Jalen Ramsey. Easy way to get the the is on a jet sweep. It's probably only going to be one handoff. So it's going to be a very scintillating five seconds, but Jamar Chase is speedy enough, athletic enough. And if they deploy it in a good moment, he could easily get
1: over. Four My and a half only rushing yards. fear with props like that nowadays is teams have smartened up and they do that mm-hmm. little touch pass forward. So in case it's dropped, it's a, it's a pass. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of a lot of old-time, quote-unquote, end-arounds that were handoffs are now that. Yeah. So that's, that's my that's only a, fear with a prop like that.
2: Super valid concern. Um, I, I thought about this because I saw him do a jet sweep to him in Kansas City when he wasn't involved much. Also, though, if they throw him a screen pass and it's behind the line, that's kind of a hack. That can go down as a True. carry, too. So I think there's multiple ways to win it. And uh, it's kind of a sneaky little play. I feel kind of sassy when I throw it out there.
0: I'm with you on both of those. I like both of them. It's funny. When Tennessee played the Bengals, I was watching the game with my roommates, and Tennessee got the ball first. And I said, guys, I promise you the first play of the game is going to be a play-action pass because the whole stadium thinks they're going to give the ball to Garrett. And sure enough, Tannehill throws a pick. And then when they got the ball back, I said, I bet you a million dollars this was a run after he threw the pick. And it was a run.
2: Yeah. No one wants to be like the idiot who tries to be aggressive and just screws up the game before it starts. I get it. You know, in week 14, maybe you do that. But in the Super Bowl, I think everybody's just a little clenched up at the beginning and wants to be safe.
1: You get a Von Miller strip sack of Joe Burrow on the first play. It's a blowout. Like there's just no coming back from that. Exactly. yeah, yeah, That stadium
2: is losing its mind and Joe Burrow's hurt, stretching out his shoulder. Just give it to Mixon, make it second and seven and let's move on.
1: Absolutely. All right. You got a pretty good track record with trivia. Um, I don't think I don't pretty, good, pretty good. Pretty <laughs> good. Excuse <laughs> you, sir. I don't think he's
2: missed one. That's like you call your girlfriend or uh, your fiance, a girlfriend. Like, no, she's this your true. fiance. Let's give this everybody the proper credit here.
1: This is true. Um, I wanted to downplay it a little bit. So you, so <laughs> that room that you're in could still fit your head, but um, I don't know. I think PJ went a little soft on you this time. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I think I
0: wait
1: trying him trying to get all five. I think good. Okay, all right, let's do all it. All right, there Go are ahead, five QBs who have won the Super. Wait a minute, PJ, I'm looking at this. This doesn't oh make. St- These don't add up.
0: Super Bowl MVP multiple.
1: Times. Oh, okay, you forgot a word in the question. Yeah. All right, Come on, PJ. Uh, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. Then it's a good question because the other way I was like, eh. okay. there are five QBs who have won Super Bowl MVP multiple times. Name all five. Five quarterbacks with multiple Super Bowl MVPs. This is so going to
2: end my perfect record. I'm bitter about it already. Okay. Tom Brady. One. Correct. Five of them. John Elway? No. Nope. John Elway. Good guess. Oh, Terrell see,
0: Davis was the other Bronco. That
2: and I, won it. The not to name star. drop, but we interviewed Terrell Davis like two days ago. I should have known that. Exactly. Um, wow. This is so annoying because my Super Bowl knowledge goes back to like, I'm just going to throw out a couple more names, and if I get them wrong, I get them wrong, and my record's over, okay? Um, Bart Starr.
0: Yes, Correct. Pete,
2: that was the okay. toughie. Okay. Well, um, th- you should
0: get the other three, then, if you really think about okay. it.
2: Okay, okay. I'm, I'm liking this guy because he's won a lot of titles.
1: Terry Bradshaw? Correct. Pete, well done. Oh. The two left oh. are, are
2: probably the easiest. You got the
0: two toughest. Okay. The Brady was
1: definitely the easiest, but these yeah. two are also pretty easy. <laughs> Outside of him, I
0: meant, And then he... Yeah, okay, right. Okay.
1: So
2: I'm you got 30 then, seconds. Okay. I, seconds. I, I can't think of anyone in the present day recently who has won multiple because the teams have kind of changed around or it's been Brady. So Roger Staubach? mm Staubach.
1: Strike two. I, do I get three strikes? Is that the bit? Three strikes. I know you're so <laughs> okay. good at this that you usually don't get the bit with the three strikes, okay. but you got one right. more strike and 30 more seconds. Okay. So... I don't feel good about
2: it at all. I'm just going to throw it out there because I'm sure nobody actually really cares about my record except me. This is, this is so bad.
0: Oh, Pete, you're going to kick yourself.
2: Bart you Starr really was are. a goal. That was... <laughs> Bre- not Peyton Manning. Brett Favre? No. <laughs> yeah. No, that's oh, it. The perfect about... run. The perfect oh, run comes to it. To, to be
1: honest, if you would have missed it on Bart Starr, you would have felt better about yourself. Yes. But the two that you're missing are yes. Joe Montana and Eli Manning. What an idiot
2: I am! <laughs> I mean, that is that is really truly. I tragic. can't
0: believe you got Bart Starr. That was fantastic. Uh,
2: sure, I guess that gives me a little bit of clout, but missing on Montana. I mean, dude, do you watch football for a living, you idiot? And then I, Eli, Eli, I,
1: like they were two yeah. pretty historic Super Bowls beating Brady. Right. So
2: I just, I maybe I just blanked on. I thought maybe a D lineman. Or he's a very a tired, forgettable but, guy. Yes. I mean. <laughs> All, all right well that's that's a really good question and as usual the trivia on this show is top notch
1: <laughs> that's Gee, all well done. i had
0: to get you once you got bart and bradshaw i thought I was a <laughs> i'll was tell you what though I pj pj, PJ
1: maybe he just comes in with a little heat for the guests because i have gotten like what is it now pj like seven of the last eight that you've given me i'm on a Probably. absolute tear nice Probably, all man. right
2: yeah good for you sir he's, he's taking my crown
1: there, there you go well
0: Pete, always good seeing you, pal. Enjoy the game. Uh, do you have a favorite Super Bowl food that's, like, must-have? Like, would you say wings or more of a must or chips and dip?
2: Uh, I prefer the wings. Um, I just love kind of seeing the the carcasses pile up as the game goes on. And I yeah, think they're good right. where you can you can go hard in the first quarter. You come back to the third quarter and finish them off. You you have them the next day. To it, you don't get them all. So, wings for me is number one. But I prefer uh, the Super, Super Bowl drinks. So I just purchased my first bottle of johnny walker blue so i'm gonna be sipping on that during the super bowl had a good year games had some excess cash playing around i figured i'd buy myself my first real bottle of something
0: okay (laughs) Okay. nice did you get yourself in any super bowl squares you got any numbers that you bought or anything
2: no numbers i've done squares for championship games for college football every year jp and mitch i have yet to see a single dollar i've sworn off squares but plenty of single bets plenty of parlays and uh can't wait it's going to be a blast and then we'll uh, all go into the dark of winter and wait yeah. till week one in September.
1: Pete mm. best of luck on the bets enjoy the Johnny Blue and we will <laughs> see you you were the first of five by the way you beat out Chris Miller you guys are both on four appearances you're the first of five and, and reach that mountain. I wonder if that puts me in the uh,
2: PJ Joe Hall of Fame we'll see we got to figure <laughs> out if that's a comp- compilation or if it's actually like good stats. First ballot Pete first ballot. Oh, hell yeah Thank I appreciate it. <laughs> see you Pete you, man. thank you once again
0: thanks to pete haley for joining us Joe. that's like the fifth time he's been on the pod yeah and,
1: and look I, to well, well, all right we're gonna talk more super bowl stuff and i get this maybe i didn't realize that it was such a topic that people could differ on you saw yesterday on twitter uh me and, and another esteemed guest at the pod uh jenks were going at it the whole matthew stafford hall of fame debate i didn't think this was a debate until jenks brought it up like If you go to the all-time passing list, the guy is going to finish his career third behind Brady and Breeze. And he's the fastest in NFL history to 20,000, to 30,000, to 40,000, to 45,000. And in week one of next season, he's going to be the fastest to 50,000. So I did not realize so many people thought that his Hall of Fame candidacy hinged on a ring. And I think maybe after looking at the numbers, they'll change their minds on that because they just kind of forgot about him because he was in Detroit. But this dude's been like that his whole career. Um, so, yeah, until Jenks brought it up, did not realize that that was even up for debate.
0: My thing with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, especially when it comes to quarterbacks, is I think Stafford's going to get in, but in my mind, like, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, I, I, like to me, that's that's maybe that's always the debate.
1: Right, and, and maybe that's just the difference between the Pro Football Hall of Fame and, like, baseball. Exactly. Baseball, it's very, very strict to a yes. fault. Like, oh, big time Paul shouldn't be as strict as it is. We forget a lot of all-time, not all-time games, but a lot of great players because it's so strict. But, look, if you look at the – I sent in that reply to Jenks on Twitter the list of the top 14 players in all-time passing yards. All 14 are either in or going to get in, and there's Stafford there as well. So, it, I mean, it would make no sense to not have him in. And, like, in your mind, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? No. Okay, well, then but he's going to get least. in. But then that's you're consistent. At least yeah. you're consistent. But there's a, there's a. I would like to see the Venn diagram of people who think that Phillip Rivers belongs in, but Matthew Stafford does not belong in. Right. Because that's just flat out wrong. Because both guys don't have all pros. Pro Bowl, forget the Pro Bowl. Like, who replaces who? Mac right. Jones was an injury replacement, so he technically has one Pro Bowl appearance, and that's all Matthew Stafford has. So, like, I don't care about the Pro Bowl. I'm talking all pro. And just because you happen to play at a time where Brady, Peyton, Breeze and Rogers all played, of course, you're never going to make all pro like that's that's through no fault of your own. You're just not going to make it. Um, So, yeah, I, I, the criteria is interesting. I mean, again, he's going to end up top three in yards. He's going to end up among the top in touchdowns. He just happened to play at the same time as Brady, Manning, Rogers and Breeze. And you can't hold that against the guy
0: to me, Russell Wilson's the cutoff. I think once you get, I think he's a hall of famer. And then after that, when you get into the Stafford's, the Matt Ryan's, the Phillip rivers, the Romo's, the Eli's, the Flacco's like, I don't think those guys are hall of famers.
1: But like Eli two rings, Matt Ryan did win an MVP and is also going to be among the top, like seven or eight in passing yards when he retires. Um, and like, you, like, Romo, that's where the debate ensues. For me, like, I'm taking Romo 10 times out of 10 over Eli Manning. But he also doesn't have the numbers or the rings that Eli had. So yeah. that's where it gets a little interesting. But a guy like, guy like Matthew Stafford, a guy like Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers is sixth on the passing list. Um, like, you knew at the time that you were watching someone truly great. And now, like, after seeing Stafford lead the Lions, what he did to those Lions teams to make them respectable playoff teams, wildcard teams all those years – that's nothing short of a miracle in and of itself. So maybe grading on a little different scale because of what he had around him. Um, but yeah, that's that's it's again, it's just interesting the criteria, especially as it becomes a more uh, obviously quarterback-centric league. I mean, look, we're at a point right now with Herbert, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Jackson. We're like right there. You have five guys who, by our standards, assuming they stay healthy all five of those guys are going to get into the Hall of Fame and, like, they're playing at the same time. So it kind of opens the question, like, do we kind of start thinking differently going forward because it's a more pass-heavy league, what dictates in or out for, for quarterbacks?
0: Yeah, it's the AFC quarterbacks are just – it's absurd. See, you brought up Stafford and the job that he done in, in Detroit and how he was able to get those teams in the playoffs. And Joe Burrow is in year two. He's coming off an ACL tear and he's got his team to the Super Bowl, something the Cowboys right. have trying to achieve for now 25 years.
1: Right. Right. Um, that's it's, that's it's amazing. nothing short of amazing for Joe Burrow. Well, I mean, the yeah. fact
0: that the Bengals hadn't won a playoff game in 31 years, they had never won a road playoff game in their team's history, and they've already broken both of those streaks. They beat the top right. two seeds in the AFC the AFC championship game, though, for me, was way more about the Chiefs than the Bengals.
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't, I
0: don't know what that game was, was up.
1: over after the goal line stand at halftime. Like you could tell that the way that second half was gonna go.
0: It shifted, but Mahomes in the second half just there was something about him. He was floating passes. He didn't look confident in his reads. He was trying to run around and make the superhero play way too much. It was like everything that he did after the Chiefs had that slow start, he reverted back to that slow opening five, six weeks. Right. And credit to the Bengals when they had to make plays, they did. It's a shame, though, because, you know, Chiefs and Rams really would have been a heavyweight matchup. Mm-hmm. To see the Chiefs offense on that turf would have been a lot of fun. But, uh, look, the way the Bengals are playing right now, tough to bet against Burrow. Who do you like to win the game?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's tough. I think. I think people are starting to realize that maybe all year long – they were lower on the Bengals than they should have been because they got some dudes in the defense, yeah, they especially do. on that line in the secondary with Bates and like elsewhere on the offense. Right. We talk about Burrow and chase, but like Mixon has been terrific. Higgins great. Boyd is an awesome third option to have that offensive line on the right side is woeful on the left side. It's pretty solid. So like it's a stronger all around team than people I think gave credit for. I picked against the Bengals each of the last two weeks. Um, they happened to win both weeks, but like they didn't necessarily deserve to win either week, but that's not how things are scored. Obviously. Um, I mean, they got sacked nine times against the Titans and still found a way to win because Tannehill threw it through interceptions three times. Um, they were a yard away from getting just blown out by the chiefs. Again, if that, if Tyree kill gets in or even if he goes down and they mentally come away with three points, I don't think that game goes the way it goes. So, look, you could say team of destiny type of deal for them in that sense. Uh, and a lot of people for that reason are going to probably ride with the Bengals. but I can't pick against the Rams in this game. Like there's just nothing logical that would lead to picking against the Rams. Their front line, their front seven is ridiculous. Aaron Donald and Von Miller might have five sacks each in this game. <laughs> um, Von Miller was a terrific acquisition, he's got sacks in six of the last seven games. Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. Leonard Floyd also quietly, because of those other two guys, gets after the quarterback at his own right. Um, and that Bengals offensive line again gave up nine sacks against the Titans, so yeah. we know how that's going to go. Uh, the Bengals can't stop the run, uh, especially when it comes to, to the type of runs. The Chiefs like to use when they're running behind the tackles, trying to get outside. The Bengals can't stop that. So this is a game where I think it's going to be lower scoring than people realize because I think more clock will be used than people realize um, on both sides. On the on the uh, the Rams side because they can exploit that, and then on the Bengals side because they're going to run a little bit more to try to keep that pass rush in check. I think it's lower scoring than people realize. I have this game falling somewhere in the 27-17 neighborhood um, for the Rams. But I I comfortably, I think, say the Rams in this game.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think a lot of people, when this game, when the line came out two weeks ago, everybody was hopping on the Bengals because they were just so impressed with them beating the Chiefs. But then as the week goes on, as we enter Super Bowl week, when people have to sit back and think about it, I just think about last year's Super Bowl game and you see what happens when a quarter when a great quarterback has a very exposed offensive line going up against a great front 7. When Mahomes was running for his life against Tampa last year, I could see the same kind of thing with the Bengals and the Rams. It's a big mismatch up front. The Rams are at home and, you know, this is what they're built for. This is why they brought in all those stars. Getting over the San Francisco hump, proving that they can come from behind, and then you know against Tampa when it seems like you're going to lose, and they find a way to win that right. one. Just seems like it's coming together for the Rams. I do think it might be a one-score game though, just because Burrow in his career when it's a must win have half-to-have game, he he's a one of all. So I, I think I think it's going to be close, but I'm with you. I do think the Rams win. Um, I think it'll be I think it'll be a good game, but uh, I think the Rams. Another big thing, too, that not a lot of people are talking about, in 2019, Sean McVay talked a lot about when they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl, how they almost overprepared, Like, they were so happy to be there, and the excitement and the anticipation. This just feels much more like a business trip I was At just going to say much that. Much more comfortable, and I think that's going to help them a lot. As,
1: as soon as you cut out, I was going that way next. Like, the experience factor. Sometimes I don't like to put as much stock in that. Like, you know, like even – for the AFC championship game. Yes, I thought it was the Chiefs, but all week it was like, oh, the Chiefs have been here four straight years. Bengals have never been here. In that setting, it, I don't think it, it rings true because it's, you know, you're, you're playing just a normal game against an AFC team on the road. Like there's some rhythm to it. This is a spectacle. You had a bye week in between. How many ticket requests are you getting? Uh, you got a 45-minute halftime, like little mm. things like that. Uh, where, where the Rams been there, done that, and have the advantage of this time around staying in their own beds, practicing at their own facility. Whereas the Bengals they had, because of the weather in Cincinnati, they had to bust to the um, university of Cincinnati's campus to practice in their indoor bubble, which how the Bengals don't have an indoor bubble to practice mm-hmm. as an NFL team <laughs> is beyond me. Um, so everything thrown out of whack, they got to travel. The Rams don't all those other things that go into a Super Bowl, um, go against him now granted Zach Taylor was also on that staff that lost to the Patriots so he himself has also been there done that but in a different capacity I mean he was I mean not to disparage him with this comment just for a lack of a better way to put it he was he was Sean McVay's lackey that year like he was just he was just kind of happy to be there just you know under his tutelage At the sideline pass yeah like he but he is the head coach now leading a very young team That's probably still a year or two ahead of where they're supposed to be. That is a huge aspect of this. Uh, And I could, again, Burrow is the wild card here because he has risen to the occasion, every chance he's had in his career. But as a team, I could see them shrinking in the moment. I could see Joe Mixon struggling. I could see um, a guy like Eli Apple at corner struggling, just like if the first couple plays don't go their way, like I could see it getting in their head the moment Joe Burrow. No, he's been there, done that. But as a whole, with that lack of experience, I can see it becoming an issue, and especially that offensive line on the right side. First quarter, Von Miller and Aaron Donald beat them a couple times. You could see them hanging their heads, I think, and, and letting the moment truly, truly get to them. So uh, for all of that, I mean, I'm very much squarely on the Rams side of things.
0: Yep, I would agree. It just feels like the Bengals are kind of just happy to be there. Like they'll yeah. tell you, like they expected to have a good team this year. I don't think they expect to make it. They are
1: game. the Rams from a few years ago. They are happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get better for them from here, where a couple years from now they might be in it and they might be the favorites. But it's just not their time yet.
2: Right.
0: Um, all right. So that's the Super Bowl. Real quick, if Aaron Donald, uh well, who do you like to win MVP? Super Bowl MVP.
1: MVP's tough. Um you have the option there for a defensive player like Donald, just because I really think they're going to get a whole lot. We're going to get to the NBA in a moment. It's another big uh, yes. trip happen. happen. Um, that's why I picked up my phone, but uh, hey, we've seen I'm the...
0: getting a lot of tech.
1: <laughs> we've seen the defensive players happen. Um, we know it's plausible. Um, I, I think it's almost like uh, chalky is not the right word. For for a guy like Donald, um, it's probably going to be a quarterback or Cooper Cup. Uh, the outside the box pick I do have, and I'm scrolling here to try to find the odds. Why can I not find Super Bowl MVP odds anywhere? Um, is Sony Michelle uh, Super Bowl MVP? Uh, let me pull this up. Um, I think that the Rams are going to run all over them, and I don't think it's going to be Acres. Like Acres, the last couple games. They haven't used him as much as they were kind of anticipating maybe coming off the Achilles. And on top of that, like – I have
0: Sony plus 6,000 here.
1: All right. That's a lot. Um, But my point is – thank you for finding it because I still haven't Mm -hmm. found it. Um, Akers, like he's been shaky. Like he hasn't had the yards they were expecting. He's fumbled the ball a few times. Michelle has been steady as a rock for them. And I think in this game, they don't want – the potential risk of acres fumbling or, or kind of leaving yards out there on the field that he could have otherwise had. And Michelle, he's, he's been in this situation before with the Rams. He's been in this situation with the Patriots. I could see them relying on him to just exploit the weakness of the Bengals. I could see him going for nearly a hundred yards in this game and you get him in close. He scores a touchdown or two. He's in the mix at plus 6,000. Uh, but again, that's, that's a long shot here. I'm just trying to go with something sure. outside the box. In all likelihood, it's your quarterback, it's Cooper Cup, or it's Aaron Donald.
0: Yeah, I would agree. If you're looking at long shots, um, maybe McPherson for the Bengals. If you mm. like the Bengals, you think it's going to be low scoring. With kind of the reputation he's built for himself in the playoffs, if that narrative continues, the Bengals were to win like a 15 to 13 or an 18 to 17 kind of game. He's got a shot at plus 7,500. Um Kendall Blanton at plus seventy five hundred. If Higby doesn't play, the Rams love the tight end, and he's had some big plays against San Francisco and Tampa. So maybe him. I'm with you though. Don't overthink this. If the Bengals win, Burrow's going to win MVP. I just I don't see yeah. any way he doesn't. Rams. It could go a lot of different ways if they win. Obviously, Stafford's the quarterback of the last twenty two years. Fourteen times a quarterback has won it. With the numbers that Cooper Cup's probably going to put up, he'll be right in the mix. But I'm with you. My pick's Donald plus 1,800. You're looking for value. He's the best defensive player probably of my lifetime. And if he oh, yeah. wins this, uh, it's just going to solidify that. He made the play against San Francisco to bring him to the Super Bowl. Playing in his house, he's going to be ready to go against – they're right. going to put him on the right side of that line, Joe, and it's not going to be perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And,
1: and just think about, again, like just how the voting process for the MVP happens. Like there's also going to be a lot of people where – even if Cup deserves it, or even if Donald deserves it, they might just vote Stafford because it's the quarterback and he had waited so long to be there in this moment and, and wins it. So it's, it's probably going to be Stafford. But just to give you some other perspectives. Now, this is a rarity. Usually the Super Bowl week, it's all about the Super Bowl. But now that the season's a week later, you can run into some other things here, and it runs into the NBA trade deadline. As we're, as we're recording this on Thursday, uh, we are 15 minutes away from the deadline. So obviously we got the big one. We got yep. the Harden for Ben Simmons swap. The we'll one talk that just broke. That one. The one that just broke as we were sitting here and it tripped me up and tripped you up because we we're looking at our phones. Kristaps uh, Porzingis to the Wizards. Um, this has been one of the most active deadlines I, that I could remember. There's trades happening every two seconds that I'm getting alerts for. Dude, this is
0: wild. Yeah, my phone is going crazy. Well, Joe, we're all happy because the Wizards just sent. Berton's in that deal too. <laughs> so everybody is going nuts to get rid of that contract. Montrez Harrell, there was rumors that he was a problem in that locker room. So he goes to the Hornets. They bring back Ish Smith, who they loved coming off the bench net, uh, last year. Obviously, with Beal done for the year, you're going to need another guard. And then, yeah, to get poor Zingis is a stretch four is great. But for uh trade away Dinwiddie. So now you got Dinwiddie and Luca in the backcourt for Dallas. But I'm most excited about getting rid of Bertans.
1: He was... There's no way there's ever been a Latvian for a Latvian trade in NBA history. Is there? With Bertans and Porzingis? That's a great
0: point. I... That
1: There's no way that's ever happened. Zero no. percent chance. <laughs> so that's, that's big day for Latvia. Joe,
0: yeah. I don't know what Latvian players or, or women or men are going for Olympic gold today, but I'm hammering them <laughs> because it's a Latvia kind of day. But, no, the Bertons piece is great. Look, the guy, when he's on, is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, but he's also one of the worst defenders in the league. And the Wizards just can't afford to have bad defenders on the floor because everybody on the floor is a bad defender. So, uh, great trade for them. Corzingis, when he's healthy, and when he's in a situation where he doesn't have a lot of pressure around him, when the team's not very good and he's not expected to do much, I think could be okay, like he was in New York. Um, Look, the, the Wizards aren't a very good team uh it's nice to get a big name like this maybe he can get back to his nick self but i'm just happy joe that they're making moves they right. did this with restbrook and wall their old gm ernie grumfeld would never ever ever do anything like this so it's just nice to see tommy shepherd just switch it up try and improve the team and uh make big deals like and, and said,
1: i g- i genuinely think if beale didn't have to get surgery the other day um oh, yeah. I, I genuinely think he would have gotten traded today as well i think they were finally moving to that conclusion. And I think he might get dealt in the summer. Um, so it's, they're starting to trend that way, I think as a team. Uh, but the, as far as the Sixers and the Nets trade goes, I think both teams make out a lot better. I think the Sixers have a lot more pressure to win immediately. Um, with James Harden having a couple of years left on that deal. And they've just kind of thrown everything at this. Whereas the Nets now, they got two more first round picks down the line that they can use to maneuver Um, still got a few years left. Kyrie, I guess is still there for a few (laughs) more years. And Ben Simmons has three years left on his contract. So they're not in a rush. And if things don't work out with Simmons, Kyrie and KD with Simmons having three years left on his deal, they could just turn around and flip Simmons for a, a big haul as well, because there was a lot of teams that wanted Simmons and were willing to part with a lot of assets for him but Daryl Morey was just stubborn and didn't want to get rid of him. I don't know if you want to call it as a punishment sort of thing for Simmons, just kind of quitting on the team, but he just didn't want to remove him unless it was for James Harden. And obviously that deal came along. So the Nets will not have any trouble finding suitors for Ben Simmons and making even more back in terms of picks and assets. So the Nets long-term are the biggest winners here. Short-term they're both winners. I saw that the odds to win the title For the Sixers, moved from plus 1,100 to plus 550. And for the Nets, it moved from plus 350 to plus 420. So a slight, slight drop off.
0: Joe, to me, I thought this was a home run for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons playing with two scores like that, I think is going to be great. Everybody, we hate on Ben because he's not aggressive scoring. He can't shoot, and he's just not comfortable in big moments. But one thing he's great at is passing and setting guys up. And when you got two of the best ISO players in the NBA, that's always going to need to do. He'll be asked to dunk from time to time and take the ball to the rim. But in crunch time, he can give the ball to Kyrie, give the ball to Durant, and he can just sit back and watch. And being in Brooklyn where the Knicks are always going to be the one in that town, I think it's right. great for him. Durant and Kyrie will have all the pressure on them. And then for Philly – well, Harden and Embiid and the pick and roll is gonna be nasty. That's gonna be terrible. Um, it it to play really against. is. Good luck. Um, you know, but the interesting thing is, anytime you get two stars like this who demand the ball as much as they do this late in the season, how is it gonna gel? You know, this quickly it almost never does when you want it to. Uh, so, from that standpoint, it's gonna be interesting. Daryl Morey and Harden are really good friends, though. Embiid and Harden like each other. So from that standpoint, Philly's got to be happy. Um, I like to trade for both sides. I'm glad they got it done. But for me, I think Brooklyn's the clear winner. To get a couple first-rounders too, maybe you can hit big on a late first round down the road. But I think Simmons, now that he's not asked w- to get all this pressure and, you can, let Harden and Ky- or you can let Durant and Kyrie do their things, I think it's great for Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, and even, again, thinking down the road, this Brooklyn team might trade those picks. But that 2027 pick is first round, uh, is protected first through eighth. So by then, depending on how things go with Harden, the Sixers could be back in the lottery. We're talking five years from now. So um, as that gets closer, that pick could become a valuable asset. So it's definitely long-term, a a much better trade for the Nets. Um, How do you handicap the East right now? I mean, uh, to it's... me,
0: Milwaukee is still the team to beat simply because of just their cohesiveness. You know, yeah. I mean, they have they did trade away DiVincenzo uh, today. Well, they got a baca
1: and, and that's a championship a baca, player right there. And,
0: and DiVincenzo wasn't even a part of their title mm. team last year. He was hurt. Right. So as long as you got Giannis, you got Holiday, you got Middleton. To me, they're still the team to beat. And mostly because with Kyrie, you just – I mean, is he going to play home games? Like, you know, I guess the good thing for the Nets is that if Milwaukee is the one seed, then Kyrie will play most – you know, he'll play the majority of the games in the series. The Heat are the intriguing team that obviously made the finals a couple years ago. I still feel like they're just – they're one big piece away. Like, Butler's good. I love Hero, I love Bam, but it's like Milwaukee, you got Giannis and the Middleton on holiday are great. And Philly, you got Harden and Embiid. And Brooklyn, you got this big three now. It just feels like Miami's just one piece away. To me, it's Milwaukee and then Brooklyn and then Philly and then Miami. That'd be my pecking order. What about you?
1: I genuinely am not sure how to differentiate between the Bucks, Sixers, and Nets at the moment. With the caveat of KD being healthy, if he's healthy... I'm picking the Nets first just because, all right, even if Kyrie has to miss the home games and that's still far enough down the line where the laws could change in New York. Uh, I do know um, that coming up this week, New York state is changing the rules. New York city is separate and is not changing it. And that's coming this in, uh, in the next week or two. So it could still change. Uh, I know New Jersey is changing it on March 7th. So it's trending towards maybe eventually changing in Kyrie's favor. Um, but there's no way to know how that's going to play out. But from a basketball standpoint, all right, this team, even if Kyrie can't play, your starting five is KD, Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Andre Drummond. That's still pretty damn good with guys like Patty Mills and Joe Harris and Nick Claxton and um, Blake Griffin all still around. Joe Harris, I don't know if I said him twice, if I did, sorry. They're all still around that. Uh, yeah. those two stars so even if he does have to miss the home games that's still pretty loaded and as long as you got KD as we saw last year when they were missing Harden and Kyrie and KD himself put the team on his back and almost got them through um, as long as they got KD if he's healthy they're the team to beat the Bucks are two for me the Sixers I want to see first I just I just want to see it in practice first because the in principle it's going to be tough to stop those two but you could also get into the moments where Embiid is just kind of – he's just hot, and he's getting fed the ball in the post. And you could see James Harden kind of maybe just standing around and being disinterested because he's not involved. And at the defensive end, what's it going to look like? Um, I, it, it was a home run for the Sixers to be able to keep Bull, um to be able to keep Tyrese Maxey. So they're still right there. It's, it's split hairs between those three teams. I will say this, though, the rest of the conference around them are all pretenders in my mind. I don't think the Heat are there. The Bulls are not a serious threat. The Cavaliers are the Bengals, where they're a couple years ahead of the curve right now, and they're not a legitimate threat. They're only one game out of number one overall seed right now, which is unfathomable, and nobody would have thought that. But the Cavaliers are not a legit threat. The Raptors are not a legit threat. The Celtics, if they get their act together, the, the potential for them is always really high because of Brown and Tatum. But I don't know that they're deep enough all around that. So it's really just those three teams for me.
0: That's fair. Uh, you know, it's, it's so tough. Joe, to be honest with you, I really haven't watched too much NBA basketball. The Wizards aren't that great. I watch some games every now and then. Uh, now that obviously we have these big trades, I'm more excited to see how they flow. Um, you make a good point, though, about those teams, especially Brooklyn um, and even Philly. You know, a guy like Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench, he's really been great. Uh, and a lot of other times we talk about all these stars on these NBA teams, but it's the other guys who really determine whether or not a team wins a championship and makes it. So
1: exciting stuff in the NBA. And, and notice all this activity is in the East. There's yes. nothing going on out Well, West in the West. Everybody
0: think, knows it's Phoenix, exactly. Golden State and everybody else.
1: Exactly. Everybody so knows. It, it's a testament to how wide open the East truly is and how in the West, everybody knows it's going to be Phoenix and the Warriors, barring some upset, especially now, you know, with with certain players going down for the Jazz. Ingles is out for the year. He's an underrated part. Gobert hasn't been 100% healthy. Mitchell has missed some time. Um, The Jazz are the only team for me that can beat either the Warriors or the Suns. The Grizzlies, again, I think they're maybe just a year too soon, but they're a very dangerous team, and Ja is out of this world with the way he's been playing. Um, But everybody knows out there it's Suns and Warriors. So there's been no activity out there and all this activity in the East.
0: Right, yeah. Well, it's going to be fun times in the uh, in the NBA. I saw the Woge bomb today with uh, with with Simmons and Harden, thought that was going to be it, and then we get Porzingis. Yeah. So Who knows? We still got like an hour or two left, so uh, exciting stuff. Rho college hoops now, and uh, it's it's getting exciting. So we were about uh, I guess we're about a month away from A month, month huh? of a week. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Let me pull up the uh, the bracket here and pull up Joe Lenardi's uh...
1: and the Auburn upset uh on the road against Arkansas that was a terrific finish this week the court storm the court storm broke up a fight you could, if you I don't know if you saw that in the video I did um the Auburn player was ready to come back and fight the Arkansas yeah. dude who like dunked it at the buzzer and he couldn't get to him because the crowd was in the way <laughs> uh, it was the best that. court storm ever um but uh yeah it's it's interesting right now and it's again the team's this is how it is in college, especially when you've got a couple teams that you think are the teams to beat. Everybody's going to have their little bit of a lull. Gonzaga fell to like third and fourth. And now they're back up to two Duke had a couple losses and Duke has four losses by a combined less than 10 points. So it's taken everything for other teams to beat them. So they're right there at seven. Kentucky had their woes earlier in the year. They're back up at five. Baylor has hit their, rocky part the last couple of weeks because they've dealt with some injuries they're still at 10 and you know they're going to go on a little kick here at the end of the season and make their way back up to the top five so the cream will rise to the top and i think and those teams that i mentioned it was not by accident those are the four teams that i still think are the best in addition to auburn
0: um i have
1: one of joe and things
0: so i'll just run through them real quick so joe is gonzaga's number one overall team i think they're the best team in the country auburn My thing about Auburn is I think that Auburn is unbeatable at home. Nobody will be able to beat them at Auburn this year. That place is just always rocking, and they're a great home team. When they go on the road, though, and when they play neutral site games, it'll be interesting. They're a great team, but I just worry them away from home. They are definitely formidable for getting picked off um Purdue same kind of thing Purdue great team they just remind me too much of Illinois from last season they have three Big Ten losses this year I'm surprised they lost at Mackey this season I didn't think anybody would beat him there Wisconsin went in there and beat them they've had some close calls throughout the year in there
1: and they're going to lose tonight on the road against Michigan
0: yeah I kind of like Michigan too to pull the upset I, I could see that happening um you know I love Ivy he's probably my favorite player in the country um Purdue, I don't know. Purdue's the kind of team that if they get a bad matchup, losing around to 32, or they can go on to win the whole thing. Kentucky, I think, is the second best team in the country. Um, Chibway is just a rebounding machine down low. Kentucky's deep. They have shooting. This is one of Calipari's better defensive teams that he's had, too. It was really only a doing- matter of
1: time before all the transfers meshed. That's what you and I have been saying all along. Yes. And they've meshed, and it's scary.
0: Um, Arizona is probably the best team nobody's talking about just because they play on the West coast, but they're a team that scores a million points, but they also defend really well. They just don't have a lot of big stars on their team outside of Ben Manthoram, but they're really good. Kansas is Kansas. They'll win the big 12. Then they'll lose in like the second round of sweet 16. (laughs) It's the same shit every year. Baylor, like you said, Joe, they're injured right now, but when they get healthy, they're going to be really, really good. Duke it's coach K's last year. They have Palo. They have keels. They have this guy now, David Griffith, who's coming off the bench and is really playing well for them. Um, he's good. And then you got a couple other teams, you know, the Big Ten teams, Illinois, Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin, their backcourt. Johnny Davis is a pro. Brad Davidson, who's been there for 15 years. They're a great road team. They won at Purdue. They've won at Michigan State. I like teams that can go on the road and win big games. They do that. Providence I'm not sold on. They've had an unbelievable season. They're like 20 and 2. They were like 10 and 1 in the Big East, but I I I don't think they'll they'll make any deep kind of run outside of like the top 8. My favorite team's probably Texas Tech. They are excellent. Great defensive team. They can score, they're fast, they're athletic, like Texas Tech a lot.
1: They were one of the two teams, actually one of the three teams I was going to mention um when you start getting into that next cut of teams. One of them is a team that you didn't like last year and you were right about, but I think it's a little bit different this year. I like Illinois. What they've been able to do this year, especially when Coburn has gone out, the way Curbelo has risen, they're a much more well-rounded team this year, not relying on Io DeSumo as heavily, obviously, with him gone to the NBA. Um, in the latest edition, Lerardi has them in a perfect situation. They're on a three-line against Wagner. They have Xavier or Notre Dame in the second round, and they're in the uh, in, in their little corner of the bracket Uh, The the four possible teams that they would meet in a sweet 16 are LSU, Oregon, Kansas, who like you said, and I agree, you're low on and 15 seed Longwood. So if they get that kind of draw, I'm looking at a team like Illinois to make the elite eight um, with what they have this year. Uh, Another team that I got to see in person um, that I do not believe in, that I just wanted to touch on. And right now they have last four. They're one of the last four buys in is Miami. They had a little fun. Uh, but I just don't really see uh, them making any sort of noise. Uh, And then Texas Tech was the other one that I was going to mention as well, like you did, but, but Illinois is a team that I'm keeping my eye on there.
0: Love Texas Tech. I'd like Houston a lot, but with Sasser out for the year, they're not making a deep run. If you want like a UCLA from last year or an Oregon state, a team that could squeak in and maybe make it to the second weekend. That team for me is Washington state. They play Mm -hmm. Arizona tonight. I think they have a chance at that upset. They got a really talented athletic front court. They got guards that can shoot. I like them a lot. I can't wait for that game against Arizona tonight. And they're a Pac-12 team, just like both of those teams were. So if they get in, maybe they can make some damage. Wazoo would be my team to watch out for. To me, Joe, though, I think it's Gonzaga and Kentucky are the two teams. They're on kind of a little tier of themselves. Then I think it's kind of like Baylor, Duke, Auburn, Purdue, Arizona, right behind them. And then you got your next tier. But Gonzaga-Kentucky, to me, are the most well-rounded teams in college hoops. I think they have the least amount of flaws. But what's great about this season, last year we knew Gonzaga-Baylor kind of ahead of the pack, and they were on a collision course. This season, could see it going a lot of different ways. Even though I like Gonzaga-Kentucky the most, obviously it's the tournament, so they can lose at any time. Right. Um, But there is no clear one best team this season.
1: And don't sleep on Virginia. They're not in the field right now. Um, right now they're a team that's sitting there at, at 15 and nine. And the way their schedule is they've got a chance to make a case to get in. They just had the win against Duke. Um, they're at home against Georgia tech this weekend. They're at Virginia tech a couple nights later. That's not an easy game. Then they go at Miami, those two games back to back, February 19th and February 23rd, they're at Miami. They're home against Duke two teams. They just beat. If they back that up, with a win on the road against Miami to sweep them and they beat Duke at home and sweep the series against Duke. And you're looking at a team that is now heading into the final two games of the season at 19 and nine, they're a team that's going to get in and they're a team that is built to possibly win a few games again. I don't know that they'll make a long run, but the way they play the way I've seen them play and also get to see them in person against Miami this past week, um, they're a team that I think can surprise some people with a late season surge.
0: I, I would agree with that. Uh, well, and look, I mean, anytime you got Tony Bennett on your sideline, of course, the dude owns the regular season, so would not be surprised by that. They had a huge win at Duke the other night. Excited for college hoops to come to an end, Joe, uh, and we get into March here. Going to be exciting stuff. Absolutely. Also, the golf this week, we talked about it with Ricky Fowler and Pete at the Waste Management. One of the best weeks of the year. I keep forgetting to hit up Steve Sands every year <laughs> to see if you're reminded. Then he'd take us out there one year, but uh, always looks like a great party in Phoenix for sure. All right, Joe, trivia and best bets. Final best
1: bets. You clinched that, so we're not even going to look at the records. (laughs) You've locked that up. Um, But uh, uh, there's a a handful that I like this week. I'm going to end up giving them all. I I just went into the tab here. Give your top Um, five. Let's go through the top five and then the others. I'm still going to give you my top five that are my quote-unquote best bets. But there's a handful of others that I like on FanDuel that I'm going to toss out there for the viewing public as well sure. uh, in case you want to jump on those. I like the Rams minus four. I think they win this game by a touchdown.
0: Okay.
1: I like the under 48 and a half, and this is in order for me from 5-4-3-2-1. Okay. Um, so Rams so f- is your five. Rams minus four is the fifth one. Okay. I could see the Bengals back on it and keeping it closer like they have been. I like under 48 and a half next. Okay. Um, I like the sony michelle anytime touchdown score at plus 300 okay and going with that as my number two pick i like acres under 65 because i think this is going to become a sony michelle game uh-huh. uh, and then number one for me i like the halftime full-time rams money line at plus 100 so be leading at halftime and win the game for the rams
0: okay i like that um All right. Mine is, um, I got the first score in the game to be a Cincinnati field goal, plus 375. Uh, I like my number four, Van Jefferson, under 32 and a half receiving yards. My number three, I like Stafford, over five and a half rushing yards. My number two, McPherson, over one and a half field goals. And then my number one, it's dropped to three and a half now at some places. I just like the Rams on the money line. I could see them winning by three. I could see them winning by six, seven, 10. I just think they're going to win. So I'm just taking the money line.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Some of the other ones that I was passing through and liked, if you're using FanDuel and you could find some of these, uh, Joe Burrow over 250 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, You can get that at plus 150. Um, So that's an option for you uh let me see here the other couple that i put down um i like and again mentioning that i think of the sony michelle type of game and that i think mixon could underperform in this game uh sony michelle is plus 900 to lead the game in rushing yards that's tremendous value joe mixon is minus 135 acres is plus 105 and michelle is plus 900 uh, i like mcpherson over seven and a half kicking points so yep took that divide that up where you however you like it in terms of field goals and extra points that's at minus 140 um i like at least one touchdown to be scored in every quarter at mm. plus 180 uh joe burrow and matthew stafford to each have at least one passing touchdown in each half is plus 300 uh and then burrow and stafford to combine for 500 yards and four touchdowns is minus 125 and then the last one and shout out to um the Daily Wager, when I was watching yesterday, uh, Doug Kazarian's show for pointing this one out, didn't think about it, but looking back on the trends, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Bengals to win the third quarter is plus 150. They uh, were number one, they were one of the top teams all season long in um, uh, third quarter point differential. And we've seen it the last few weeks. They have yes. gone ahead and come back in that third quarter. So I like that one as well.
0: I like that. Some other ones that I actually just bet today at the sports book that I like. Uh, Stafford's first TD pass, I think, is going to be under 10 and a half yards. We know the Bengals, you can work your way down the field against them, and then when you get into the red zone, they tend to give up some shorter touchdowns. So I'm hoping the first one is short. I like Odell to score the first touchdown of the game. Um, I think the coin toss is going to be heads, Joe, because why not? Um, The opening kickoff, I think, is going to be two things. First of all, I think the Bengals are going to get the ball first because I think that if the Bengals win the toss, they're going to want to receive and get it first. If the Rams get it, I think they're going to defer because they're at home, play defense first. So I like the Bengals to get the ball first. Um, McPherson, total points, I'm with you. My favorite part of the Super Bowl, though, is the cross-sport Yes, And there are three – that I love. The first one is, Joe, I don't even know who Barcelona is playing over the weekend, but I like them to score more goals, minus 110 in a pick em against total interceptions. I don't think there's going to be a pick in the game. At most, I think one is, as long as Barcelona can score two or three goals. I got to look not.
1: this up now. Who are they playing? Let me see. Hold on. They are playing.
0: And let me know if it's a I'll give you I'll give Sunday. You my,
1: I'll give you my soccer knowledge on this one. It's a yeah. Sunday. They're on the road against Espanol, who was middle of the table. Um, and it was, what was the bet again? I'm sorry.
0: It's just uh, versus total interceptions in the game.
1: I'm banking on Burrow. I think you not got running. to bank on three picks. If it's two picks, it could be dicey. If it's two picks, it could be dicey. No, I took Barcelona
0: picks. goals over the picks.
1: Yes. Yes, I know. So I'm saying, I think, in that game, they might score two. Okay. Two is probably the number you're looking at for Barcelona yes, goals. Correct. So you need three I think there's picks.
0: gonna be one or no picks in the game.
1: Okay, there you go. You're gonna need three picks in that game. Because uh, the last the last couple of times that they've played, it's been Barcelona's won the last two games against Espanol, one to nothing, and the time before that they tied two two. So Barcelona has not scored more than two goals against Espanol since twenty eighteen.
0: Well, Joe, there's a great time to change it, baby. Is there you Messi go. playing?
1: Messi is no longer on Barcelona, so this shows where your head's at. uh...
0: (laughs) No, I knew that. Is Suarez still there? Uh,
1: Suarez is not there either. No, no. They've gone through a lot since the last time you uh... – Who's
0: on Barcelona? (laughs) Joe, this is bad. All right, scratch that one. That's a loser. Next one, I like Trey Young. He's playing Boston on Sunday. I think he's going to have more points than the Rams will score in the game. I'm banking on Trey to have at least 30, and I don't think the Rams crack 30. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, You know, I bet a similar prop last year, Joe. I had Steph Curry points versus Tampa points. Steph dropped 57 that night. So Trey's got a lot to live up to. And my other prop, which I think is an awesome one, is Cooper Cup receptions against his former alma mater, Eastern Washington three-pointers. Now, Eastern (laughs) Washington can stroke it, and they shoot a lot of threes, but I'm thinking Cooper Cupper is going to get me at least 9, 10, 11 catches. Uh, So, as long as Eastern Washington hits about six or seven threes, I think I'm
1: good in that one. All right. So, those are my cross-props that I like. The other one that I like, shout out to Pat McAfee for this one. Forgot to mention it before. Yeah. Um, He told a great story on his show this week uh, about the opening kickoff, and he said bet no touchback. It's like plus 130. Um, he said that he he told the story of how, um, he he actually went to a whole history of the opening kickoff ball, not just in the right in, in the Bowl, but in the regular season. Um, so normally you have about a half an hour to scuff up the balls. They're, they're brand new kicking balls. Obviously kicking balls are separate from the, the regular game balls. The equipment guys have 30 minutes to scuff them up. And because it's only 30 minutes, they really only scuff up the three main kicking balls. And those are the three of the seven that they use the whole game. And he said people have actually gotten in trouble for accidentally sending in ball number six, which wasn't worked on, and the kicker missed a kick because you're kicking a rock. Um, For the Super Bowl, the opening kickoff ball, the teams do not get access to. They're not allowed to scuff it up because as soon as it comes out of the box and gets placed on the tee, it gets placed back in the box and sent to Canton because there's a room where they display all the opening kickoffs of all the Mm -hmm. Super Bowls. So he said that he besides the point that he almost slipped and fell because the adrenaline was pumping in the Super Bowl that he kicked off, um, it was like kicking a rock and kickers hate it, and it's almost never a touchback. If it's a touchback, it's because it was like a yard into the end zone, and the return man just said, you know what, screw it. Like, it's almost always returned or doesn't even make the end zone.
0: Love that. That's great. Now, you see what happens when you listen to Glass Joe? You get great nuggets. I'm going go <laughs> to go back to Pat, like Pat
1: McAfee for that. Can't, uh, well, can't take credit, but can't like a the lot. knowledge.
0: I like that a lot. All right, Joe, your trivia question. Uh, I beat you in best bets this season, but you're kicking my you butt in trivia. You're up six 31 to 25. You've been on a heater recently. I gave you a good one. Um, I think you're going to like it. I'm hoping you didn't have the same question as me because knowing you, we probably thought similar ways, but I'm hoping it's different. I'll give you my question first. Mine is since 2000, 2000 Super Bowl, the last one that the Rams have won, there have been 22 Super Bowl MVPs. 14 of them have been quarterbacks, which means eight of them have been non-quarterbacks. So can you name me since 2006 of the eight non-quarterback Super Bowl MVPs?
1: So since 2000, six of eight non-quarterback MVPs. You got it. I have that correct? You got it. Okay. Go ahead. All right, Uh, Dion Branch and Julian Edelman.
0: Those are two correct.
1: Those are the two years that Brady didn't win it. Um, Heinz Ward. Three. Um, Von Miller. Four. Um, Shoot, let's see. D. um, Malcolm Smith. Yes, five. Okay. Oh, one more. The Seahawks. It was. It got fifty seconds. Twice. The Steelers. The next time was. Oh wait, was it not Ben? Ah. Oh, Santonio Holmes. Well done. There Correct. We
0: go. That's the right. The other two. Ben did
1: not win it either time. The other two was Ray Lewis and the Ravens Super Bowl. Oh. In
0: uh, in 2000.
1: Oh wait, wait, wait! I think I got you on the last one. Actually, is it um, it was the Bucks. Brad Johnson didn't win it. It was uh, I don't remember who won it, but it was a linebacker that year. It was a safety. It was Safety.
0: Dexter Jackson. Oh, okay, okay. Who won it? He had a couple of interceptions in the first half. Okay. Oh, well, well done, Joe. I can't, right. I can't stump you. You got another <laughs> one.
1: Um, I like yours. Uh, if you could give me all eight, that'd be hilarious. I don't think you could do it. Probably. Um, no matter who wins this week, it will be the ninth quarterback taken number one overall to win a Super Bowl ring. Ooh. I want you to give me, uh, there's a fine line between five and six of the eight here. I'll say five, but if you can give me more than five, I'll be a very happy camper, but I'll say five. Of all time. Five of the eight, number one picks quarterbacks who have a Super Bowl ring
2: okay
0: all right let's see Peyton Manning and John Elway correct uh let's see Cam Newton didn't win it that year uh Aiton and Bradshaw weren't Rodgers wasn't Brady wasn't Ben wasn't um Mahomes wasn't see uh Eli oh was Eli number
1: one Eli Eli is correct yeah went Eli number was... one in the Chargers and then got traded
0: right right um
1: you got another 55 seconds
0: See, I should have gone through teams and done it that way Rams Kurt Warner wasn't Seattle no Arizona no San Francisco was Montana number one
1: Montana was not
0: yeah okay um, let's see the Raiders.
1: So you got one strike.
0: Oh, was like Stabler number one seconds. pick. Chargers Broncos. Uh, Dallas. See, I don't know if was Aikman number one pick.
1: Aikman is correct.
0: Oh, okay, Aikman was one. Interesting. Um, Favre wasn't. Uh.
1: 10 seconds. You yeah. got four.
0: Yeah. I'll just go with Joe Thosman.
1: Nope. And that's time. You're going to hate yourself because you said every name of the five I want. You got Peyton. You got Eli. You got Elway. You got Aikman. You said Terry Bradshaw wasn't. Terry Bradshaw was the number was one. Was he overall really? Pick. Yep. And he yeah, won the opposite roles. So that was the five. The, the reason I said there was a fine line between five and six is because the sixth guy is a Hall of Famer um who i'm sorry he's a college football hall of famer he's not in the nfl hall of fame no uh jim plunkett is the other guy i could have sworn he was in the nfl hall of fame but i clearly Mm. am wrong but like big enough name where he's a two-time super bowl champion uh heisman winner where i was like you could but maybe not the other two are the fun ones and that's why i said if you get all eight i'll laugh uh the other two are david carr and drew bledsoe as backups they're number one overall quarterbacks who have super bowl rings So David Carr and Drew Bledsoe Um, are the other two guys. Um, Damn, Jerry Bradshaw
2: went one. Yeah,
1: That's crazy. That's why I like this question because, like, maybe you would have pulled David Carr when you said Eli just because he was his backup for one of those Super Bowls. Um, And maybe you would have pulled Drew Bledsoe just because everything that we've seen lately with Tom Brady, knowing that Bledsoe was the backup for Brady for that first Super Bowl – But five, like I said, I thought you would solidly get. And you did say all five of their name, but you did not actually.
0: Terry, see, because in that time, I wouldn't have thought that a guy from like Louisiana Tech would have gone one. I don't know why. I just feel like, you know, but damn, good for Terry. All right. Well done, Joe. You increased the lead again, 32 to 25.
1: Yep. And look, we'll be honest. We don't know when we're going to have another episode after this, because you know what? We're both busy with work now, and it wasn't the same way it was in the Super Bowls here. So. We could take a couple of weeks off maybe until March Madness gets around. So Fine. maybe see you next week. Maybe not, but, uh, but we'll yeah. see. So we'll see. Yeah,
0: yeah. good stuff. Now, it
1: won't be more than a month because like we said, as sure. soon as that calendar, as soon as that calendar turns to March, we're back in that mode. But, By the uh, way, Joe, this is our first episode since you got engaged. So congrats on that. Oh, thank sir. you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Um, yep. And then again, February is a short month. So we only got 18 days left. So it might be a two week hiatus, but back for March. And for March, we're there the whole month and then right into the draft. So that's it. We get little lulls like this for a couple of weeks, but then we hit the ground into March, NFL free agency. Then in the NFL draft, we'll have Connor Rogers back on. I'm sure we'll have Cole Thompson back on. Yep. Um, there's a lot on the horizon after, after this week.
0: Great time of year. Great time of year. Do you think we'll have baseball on time?
1: I was wondering when that would come up. In this conversation, I figured one of us would. We almost didn't. We did it I'm after I'm going to say no. I'm I think the no. season starts in May. I, I, I kind of I, feel I like I do May. believe there will be a delay. I don't know how long the delay is going to be. I do believe there will be a delay. And you know why I believe there will be a delay? Because yesterday, Rob Manfred said there wouldn't be a delay. Anything Rob Manfred says is always wrong. So there's going to be a delay.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Yep. All right. Well, We will have a season,
1: though. It just I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. All right, Joe. Well, I'll see you when I see you, pal. See you in a couple of weeks. Won't yes. be more than a couple of weeks. Enjoy the it. Super Bowl. Yeah, thanks again to Pete, our five-time. First to five. Pete, he, he, man. he was in a battle with Chris Miller for first to five. Pete to away.